This hour, the podcast is exclusively sponsored by my good friends at Advantage Gold. Advantage Gold is a five-star rated gold company with one-of-a-kind customer service. And when it comes to gold and precious metals, Advantage Gold is the only company I'll work with. Call Advantage Gold today and make sure you let them know that Mark Levin sent you. And now, let's begin. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We have a lot to cover. I want to talk about something that some of you will disagree with me on, which is fine. But at least hear what I have to say in full, and don't cherry-pick what I'm saying. Those of you who are conservatives, constitutionalists, embrace the greatest generation, have knowledge of pre-World War II and World War II, most of you will agree with me. Others may not. Vladimir Putin is our enemy. His nuclear missiles aimed at us. Had nuclear missiles aimed at us before Ukraine was invaded... Vladimir Putin has written and talked about the West, and particularly the United States, as his enemy. Vladimir Putin despises all of our presidents, regardless of which party. In Biden's case, he makes it easy. I want to put aside his personality for now. Russia, obviously, was at the center of the Soviet Union. There were isolationists back then, too, who thought that Reagan would bring us into World War III. They talked about a nuclear winter. ABC News even did a documentary, as I recall, with Charles Gibson and others. That Reagan would bring us into World War III and a nuclear war. Reagan's goal was to defeat the Soviet Union. He rejected the Republicans of the past. He rejected Henry Kissinger's advice. He said, no more detente. 
No more mutual assured destruction. Victory. He built up the United States military. He talking the Soviets in our hemisphere, in Africa, in the Middle East, and yes, in Europe. He strengthened NATO. He added countries to NATO. He shut down the government on at least two occasions to modernize our nuclear arsenal. Particularly our arsenal in Europe. To send a message. Gaddafi was behind a terrorist act. He tried to take out Gaddafi. France would not give us air. Uh, would not allow us to go through their airspace. Obviously the great Margaret Thatcher did. We almost killed Gaddafi. But we bombed his house. It was said by isolationists and leftists that that was unconstitutional. We never heard from Gaddafi again. Until the, the uh, Clinton administration. Now the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, Reagan built up the United States military not to go to war, but to prevent it. When your enemies see weakness, or even worse, a bunch of Tokyo Roses running around who claim to defend and speak up for their country when in fact they're undermining and attacking it, who claim not to want war, but in fact could precipitate it. It is their voices, it is their faces, it is their broadcasts that the enemy use, that the enemy use to create their own motivation and misjudge America. The vast majority of Americans in this country do not trust Putin and they know he's the enemy. And yet there are voices in this country who are heard over and over again telling us he's not the enemy. Ukraine's the enemy. Zelensky's the enemy. How so? I'll get to that in a minute. More and more we're hearing this same chorus sound very much like Bernie Sanders. In the old days, George McGovern. Today, yesterday, they come out and they say, we want a long-term ceasefire. What the America is doing is evil in supporting Israel. Really. So we have a growing coalition, ladies and gentlemen, of Islamists, Marxists, and isolationists. All who attack America, but only one that pretends to support America. The isolationists. They say history repeats itself. It certainly does. And that's the problem. People don't know history. They don't want to learn history. So many think like Marxists, yet pretend they hate Marxists. Even early in the 1940s, when Hitler actually defeated France, was defeating Britain, already gobbled up the countries right on his border and beyond. Three-fourths of the American people felt something should be done about this. But the isolationist movement, led by Charles Lindbergh, oddly enough, ironically enough, called the America First Movement, 
was born at Yale Law School with a handful of students. It would become the biggest so-called anti-war movement in the history of the country at the time, over 800,000 known members. Congress was afraid to act. FDR, in many ways, was afraid to act. They claim he did what he could. He was afraid to act. The Republican Party was filled with isolationists. Other than a handful. Who said, this isn't our war. Hitler can be negotiated with. He can be dealt with. We can give them money. We can help build Germany back. We can do this. We can do that. They completely misunderstood Hitler. As today, they completely misunderstand Putin and the Islamists in the Middle East. They're not interested in coexistence. Period. There are evil people in this world who do evil things. We lost almost 420,000 military personnel in World War II. We celebrate those who've survived, of which there are only a few thousand left, as part of the greatest generation. Three members of my family were part of the greatest generation. As I've told you before, my grandfather fought in Iwo Jima in Guam, and my great-uncle fought in Guadalcanal. And they said it was beyond... Horrific. Beyond horrific. You know, as a result of World War II, domestically, we lost our Constitution. That's correct. FDR was an early Bernie Sanders. They burned down the barriers on separation of powers, difference between government and the private sector. We lost our Constitution, or a big chunk of it. In the late 30s and early 40s in the United States, anti-Semitism was rampant. In our colleges and universities, students groups would invite Nazi students from Germany to the United States. And they came. Tenured, not so much tenured, but Old-time professors at these colleges and universities would go to Nazi Germany, lecture, trash their own country, come back, and invite colleagues in Germany to visit, and they did. Yale, Harvard, Princeton were centers of anti-Semitism and neo-Nazism. In fact, there was an ambassador to Great Britain, by the name of Joseph Kennedy Sr. He was an anti-Semite. As soon as he got to Britain, he made connections with pacifists and isolationists in Britain, of all places, who had back-channel messages from Kennedy to the Hitler regime that he was sympathetic to them. And it got so bad that FDR had to pull his ass back and, of course, made him the head of the SEC. But nonetheless, 
nonetheless. At the United States State Department, as war broke out, it was filled with anti-Semites, as it is today. It's actually led by a self-hating anti-Semite, goes by the name of Anthony Blinken. They did everything they could to prevent real Jewish refugees from Europe from coming to the United States. They had caps back then on various countries and ethnicities. The Jews were well below their cap. But FDR and the State Department didn't care. The New York Times is the New York Times today. In many ways, sided with the enemy. They had a correspondent in Berlin who had befriended the Third Reich and was there for years. Spewing propaganda for the Third Reich. The New York Times did everything it could to cover up the Holocaust. Because the owner of the New York Times, a German Jew, American of course, didn't want to have his paper viewed as a Jewish newspaper. He was a self-hating Jew. Of which there are many. In our media today too. In our government today, too. So Japan attacks us in 1941. Charles Lindbergh, who had been a great hero, had led this isolationist movement. In fact, he even said, France is gone, Britain cannot win. Why would we get involved in such turmoil? Why would we drag ourselves into their wars? They're far away, they're an ocean away. If Britain falls, Britain falls. There's not a damn thing we can do about it. That's what he said. Go on the internet. I just refreshed my memory about all this this morning and this afternoon. But the Axis powers, they were never going to stop anymore. The Islamists or the Marxists are ever going to stop unless they're stopped. Either by economic, military, or even psychological measures, unless they fear us and respect us. I have friends in broadcasting, friends who are part of this movement or that movement. They're saying things and they're doing things. that are appalling to me. I'm not a Buchanan conservative. I'm not a Charles Lindbergh conservative. I believe what the framers of this country set up in the Constitution, I believe this country is worth defending our nation would not even exist but for the fact that France assisted us. There's no way we would have won a Yorktown. No way. Without the French Navy. And by the way, as a result of the French Navy helping us defeat the Brits, France went bankrupt. We needed France. We needed our ally. We needed our allies in World War II. 
We need our allies today. People talk about globalism. Really? They don't mean globalism. When I see Republicans in the House and the Senate and elsewhere kissing Putin's ass, that's globalism. When I see them making excuses for the Islamo-Nazis of the Middle East, that's globalism. Now the clock cuts me off, but I want to continue when I return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Call them, and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professional. These movements are not new. They're just dangerous. They're not even new within the Republican Party. They're not even new within the conservative movement. Now, the converse is not necessarily true. That is, if you don't throw in with kissing Putin's ass or demanding a ceasefire. And again, look at this coalition of the Marxists, the Islamists. Look at it. And the Republican isolationists. Doesn't mean you defend or support McConnell or Biden or Schumer. These are reprobates. In the case of McConnell, he'll do whatever Schumer tells him to do. In case of Schumer, he'll spend money like it's, like it's, his, like it's not his, it's ours. In case of Biden, you see Biden, he doesn't know how to spend our money, he doesn't know how to assist a country. In the case of Ukraine, too little too late, without any independent oversight or auditing. In the case of Israel, he's undermining them every step of the way. But that's Biden, that's the Democrats, that's McConnell. Who are we? What do we want to do? You and me, red-blooded Americans. I'll be back. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, 
a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Call them, and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial tax professional. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. If we don't build up our military right now, because our various military-related industries are not functioning properly. In fact, some of them have shut down. If we don't stand with our allies when they are attacked, and I'm not even talking about sending in troops. We sent troops to Afghanistan, so we're attacked from Afghanistan. Troops were sent in Iraq, Vietnam, North Korea, uh, excuse me, Korea. We don't have any troops in Ukraine. We don't have any troops in Israel. They're troops that are in the Middle East. I have no idea why they're there. So this isn't pro-Biden in any respect. This isn't pro-Lindsey Graham, whose foreign policy is absolutely incoherent. This is me. Me. You actually have people within the Republican Party or within MAGA or the conservative movement as well as the left, the Bernie Sanders of the world, who claim, well, we're not siding with Hamas, but they're giving aid and comfort to Hamas. They're telling Israel how to win their war or lose it. Israel has the top Hamas terrorist effectively surrounded and Egypt and Qatar and Jordan and the United States as well as mouthpieces in our own media are demanding that Israel accept and embrace immediately a ceasefire so this guy survives so this guy survives what's our policy on Taiwan what's the conservative policy on Taiwan there is none There isn't any. Ukraine, the policy is to let it fall. Let Ukraine fall. Israel should surrender and then commit suicide with a two-state solution. And Taiwan, let's be honest, is effectively on its own. Wow. One day we'll look around and we're not going to have any allies left. And then what do you think our enemies are going to do? Our enemies aren't going to stay in Europe. They're not going to stay in the Middle East. They haven't before. They're not going to stay in Southeast Asia. Why would they? This is called common sense. This is called rationality. This is called looking at history. And I'm not even talking about ancient history. There actually is unity of ideology. And the media have missed this because they're full of morons, but they have. The Bernie Sanders wing of the Democrat Party? The Talib wing of the Democrat Party? 
that is the Hamas Marxist wing of the Democrat Party has a lot in common with certain individuals in the Republican Party, in the MAGA movement, in the conservative movement, and in, Amer- and in conservative media. Where do they disagree with Bernie Sanders when it comes to Israel? They don't. They don't. Ukraine? They don't care about Ukraine. Taiwan? They don't care about you, Taiwan. America's the problem. And the isolationists in the Republican Party and the conservative movement say the same thing. I'm America first, but America's the problem. No, America is not the problem. Certain politicians are the problem. Joe Biden is a complete disaster. He's not doing what I'm talking about. And then they hide behind Trump, like Trump must embrace their view. Trump has never embraced their view. He'll say things that they twist. He'll say things that they project their narrative upon. But Trump was the strongest defender of Israel, honestly, since Israel uh, became a state 75 years ago. Trump, does he sound like an isolationist? Trump used trade. And build up our military. And demanded that NATO do the same damn thing. Does that sound like an isolationist? Does that sound like Charles Lindbergh? He doesn't want war. None of us want war. But Trump also knows how to prevent it. Otherwise, why build up the military? Why secure the border? Why spend so much time? Working on peace in the Middle East. Why massive trade trade sanctions against uh, China? Against Iran. He was destroying Iran economically, as Reagan did with the Soviet Union. He's no isolationist. He's no Charles Lindbergh. Try as they might, these radicals and extremists, to project their imbecility onto Trump. It fails when you actually look at the substance. Completely and utterly. Donald Trump is not Rand Paul. Not even close. He's not Ron Paul. Not even close. He's not Bernie Sanders. Not even close. Rashida Tlaib, not even close. But he's not McConnell either. He's not Rove either. He's not a rhino. And he rightly despises them. These are incompetent politicians who spend like drunken Marxists, who have sold out this country over and over and over again. So the choice isn't between a strong American military, a strong American foreign policy supporting our allies smartly, smartly, not with just an open checkbook, not too little too late, not with massive ceasefires, but supporting them smartly. That's what you should do. As you know, those of you who have listened to me in the early years, I've told you the political spectrum is not a straight line. 
with the Maoist Leninists on the left end of the line and the neo-Nazi fascists on the right end of the line. The political spectrum, as I see it, my own theory, is it's a circle. Actually, an oval-shaped circle. And in the middle of that, that line that curves, are us, are you and me. Constitutional conservatives. And when it comes to the military and war, we believe in not ideology. We believe in the Burkean trusteeship. What does that mean? You've heard of Edmund Burke. Many of you have read about Edmund Burke. A lot of people like to wave around that they're Burkeans. The Burkean trusteeship, what is that? Edmund Burke was one of the great statesmen of all time. He had an enormous influence on our founding. He was a contemporary of the revolutionaries. He supported the American Revolution. He opposed the French Revolution. To cut to the chase, he opposed the French Revolution because the French Revolution was about destroying French society. The American Revolution was about strengthening American society but introducing representative government in a constitutional system without being a colony of the British Empire. So he stood out. He was actually Irish. Member of the British Parliament, a great thinker and writer, statesman, as I said, who had a great impact on our founders. The Burkean trusteeship to cut to the chase is this. When you're in a public position, you absolutely want to reflect the popular will of your voters. But that's not enough. When you got elected, you revealed to these voters your belief system, your character, your capacity to make decisions. And so you balance what your voters may think, what your voters may want with why your voters sent you to wherever, Parliament, Congress, White House, you name it. So it's not one or the other. It's a combination of the two. And then you stand for election, that is re-election, based on your record. You're not there to go off on some rogue movement or something of that sort. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, you might be aware of instances, you might be involved with certain countries, certain individuals, certain movements and so forth, that the folks back home may know nothing about. Not that it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's just what you have to do day to day as a legislator, or as a prime minister, or as a president, and so forth. And you have to take these things into consideration. But still standing by your principles. And what if there's a faction within the people who elected you that turn on you? That have taken the position that is 
completely opposite of what you ran on. Should you genuflect too? He said, no. They'll have their shot. That's why we favor limited government, by the way. So you can't do permanent damage one way or the other. In any event, that's the Birkin trusteeship in a nutshell. We have very few Birkins in the Republican Party. I'm even watching some of these Republicans. Some of them are combat vets. A few months ago, a few months ago, not all of them, but some of them would articulate our position when it came to foreign policy, and it was pretty good. Very few do that now. They're worried. They're worried. They'll all be thrown into the same category as war hawks, as interventionists, as neocons, when they're not. They're not. They're not on that far end on the right of the spectrum. We're not right-wingers. We're in the center of the spectrum. If you believe the Constitution is our governing document, if you believe the principles in the Declaration represent our governing moral compass, how can you be a right-winger? certainly can't be a left-winger either. And so I said this spectrum, this political spectrum, goes in a... uh, sort of a circle, an oval. And the extremes meet. You're not in the extreme, and neither am I. The extremes meet. What are they? The Islamists? The Marxists? And the hate America first, isolationists. They talk a good game, but listen carefully to what they say. We cannot survive without allies. We never could. Whether it was the Revolutionary War, World War I, World War II, We cannot survive without our allies. And if you have ancestors, not even ancestors, just a generation or two ago, who fought in World War II, ask them about it. Ask them about what happened in Europe, Southeast Asia, and so many other parts of the world. Really, it was a world war, the rest of the war, the rest of the world. So we're attacked in 1941, December 7th. In the America First movement, you know what it does, Mr. Producer? Charles Lindbergh almost immediately gives a speech and says he was wrong. He rallies the American people against the Axis powers. He spends the rest of the war doing exactly that. He's raising money through war bonds, traveling across the United States, apologizing. And the America First movement of the 30s and 40s collapses of its own weight. Because now we're at war, a world war. I'm stunned that there's a conservative alive, a constitutionalist alive, who believes Israel should suspend its effort to destroy Hamas. When in Hamas's mission statement, it talks about destroying the West, including the United States. Does that sound like America first to you? Sounds like suicide to me. 
are kissing somebody's ass who has nuclear missiles aimed at us and has modernized his nuclear missiles unlike us. Does that sound like America first to you? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Call them and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial tax professional. Reminder, Macy Phillips is running. She probably needs another 10,000 votes. The snow has stopped. Ooh, we won't melt. It's not snowing anymore, America. It's not snowing anymore in New York. So you have the ability to make history here or to hand a seat over to the Democrats and light a fire under them claiming that they have momentum. So we're counting on our friends in New York to help us do something about this. The polls close, as I understand, Mr. Deucer, at 9 p.m., in New York, is that correct? So you have plenty of time. Um, it's not even 7 p.m. Eastern time here. Can't help you, Mr. Producer. I don't have my list in front of me right now. So we're going to keep plowing through. I don't expect everybody to agree with me. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with people misstate what I'm saying or use headlines that misstate what I'm saying that are turn it into personal attacks, all that. I'm not doing any of that. And I don't expect that to be done here either. What I'm saying to you is, these are dire situations. We, not, we ought not dress up Bernie Sanders' foreign policy, pretend it's America first, and to think we're doing some good. I'll give you a perfect example. I could bring a conservative friend of mine on from the House, a Republican. And they'll have 15 different points. Ukraine, enough money for Ukraine. Okay. Israel. Well, only Israel if we have offsetting expenses. Okay. Taiwan. Well, we support Taiwan's independence. What are we going to do with China attacks? I don't know. So there's three different allies where they have three different positions. And no answers. Because politically and governmentally, it can't get done. But that doesn't stop our enemies. Doesn't stop Putin. Doesn't stop China. Doesn't stop Iran. They have three different positions. 
three different positions, and all of them wind up being losers. If Russia rolls through Ukraine, they're not going to stop. I don't care what he tells uh, Tucker Carlson or anybody else. That's not the plan. If Israel agrees to a ceasefire, Israel will be attacked again, and its future will be very grave. And if we don't have a consistent, unified position on Taiwan, Taiwan will cease to exist as a free country. Well, Mark, that's not our problem. No, we need to secure the border. Don't get me wrong, but one has nothing to do with the other. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I believe, Mr. Producer, they're voting on the impeachment of Mayorkas as I speak, are they not? Would you please double-check that? I, th- I think they are. Or was I misled? We'll find out. We are encouraging our brothers and sisters in New York to get to the polls. The snow has stopped. It stopped a while ago, like four or five hours ago. Now, the Democrats are afraid of snow and rain. Uh, They saw the Wizard of Oz, and that had a major effect on them. So, uh, this is your chance to strike. Conservatives, MAGA, Republicans, all at once, and vote in that district... Oh, they're not voting yet, but are they voting tonight, do you know? They are going to vote tonight. So when they vote, we'll let you know. Scalise was in the hospital, as you know, getting cancer treatments. This guy is a real patriot, Scalise. He can hang it up, but he's worried about his country. I'm a great admirer of his. And he's there, and he's ready to vote. You know, that Al Green, he was in the hospital... You know, that whole story, Mr. Producer, was pretty funny. Talk radio could stop talking about it. I don't blame people. I just said other things to talk about. He's in basically his hospital gown, and they're hiding him in an ante room off the floor. And he's got a robe on, and he's in a uh, wheelchair. And all of a sudden, there's Al Green, not the singer, you know, the kook from Texas. I guess it's Houston. And they roll him in, and he votes. So the vote was tied, and then uh, this guy Brooks had a vote uh, against impeaching, so he would have the ability to control the floor. That's how the parliamentary procedures work. There is a, uh, a order that just came out for the United States Supreme Court. Just came out. The U.S. Supreme Court directed the special counsel prosecuting Donald Trump on criminal charges of plotting to... This is Roy's, of course. We, <laughs> plotting to overturn... 2020 election loss to respond by February 20. Now, today's the 13th. 
today my mother would have been 93 years old. Thirteen was obviously her lucky number. I had a fabulous mother. Absolutely fabulous. There's no question I wouldn't be where I am today but for her. My father too, but she was the one that that pressed, pressed, pressed for me to do as best as I could in everything I did, to do well in school. She was a hands-on mother and a working mother her entire life. Just like my wife and just like her mother. There were no family leave programs. There were no whatever the hell it is. You had a child. That child was your responsibility and you were happy to have the child. It's a blessing from God. You loved your child more than anything on the face of the earth. And you enjoyed working. We didn't need any feminist movement to make a distinction between the two. But now we're going to subsidize people. Okay, well, you get to... Listen, you can stay home for two months, three months, five, whatever, whatever it takes. To do what? Well, I mean, there's breastfeeding. There. How did women do it before, Mr. Producer? And yet they did. They did it beautifully. I mean, you did okay, right, Mr. Producer? But I'm quite serious about this. And you're not supposed to breastfeed. Even if you're transitioning, you can't breastfeed. You're still a biological man. Prebubescent, but nonetheless, biological man. The justices, in a brief, brief order, told Special Counsel Smith to file a response to Trump's request by next Tuesday at 4 p.m. And what I like about this is they gave the special counsel as much time as the circuit court gave Trump to appeal to the Supreme Court. And again, just to emphasize, but not to, not to beat it to death, that panel on the D.C. circuit told Trump he could not appeal to the full circuit, which is outrageous, that he could not use more than a month's time to prepare the kind of document you want to prepare to even file with the Supreme Court. They said, no, you have six days. Otherwise, we're directing the trial court to begin the trial. Now, if that doesn't show you how corrupt these courts are, these Democrat Party hacks dressed up in black robes, I don't know what does. So they told Smith to file a response by 4 p.m. next week this time. And then, of course, Reuters goes on. Smith could file his response sooner. He previously asked the justices to resolve Trump's immunity claim before a lower appeals court had waited. Why should the entire judiciary bow down to Jack Smith? Why should they change their procedures to accommodate a prosecutor? What is that all about? And why should they change their procedures? Because a rogue panel of the circuit court, led by a radical kook, whose husband is a radical kook, Democrat Biden party operatives, because they write something in paper, issue it as a court. I mean, if the courts won't respect, they got to act like courts. If they're not going to follow the process and the law, why should we follow their rulings? But this is an attack again on Donald Trump's due process. All Trump's asking the Supreme Court is to send it back down below and let him use the same due process that every other defendant has a right to use. 
Wow, is he above the law? No. Trump's lawyers asked the justices to temporarily block a decision by a three-panel judge of judges of the U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C., rejecting his claim of presidential immunity from prosecution, pending his bid for the full slate of D.C. Circuit judges to reconsider the case, and if necessary, the Supreme Court. Now, we're not going to let you do that. Why? Because you're Hitler, that's why. <laughs> Haven't we explained that over and over again? Now, listen to how Reuters writes this. This is the media in America. Could be the media for Putin. We have a lot of media in America that support Putin. Not just in the conservative movement. Listen to this. The requests risks further delaying Trump's criminal trial on four criminal counts. Excuse me? The requests risk further delaying Trump's criminal trial on four criminal counts. First of all, it's not a risk. There's no... To say that it's a risk is to say that it should proceed post-haste, period. It might risk slowing it down. Well, he has every right to slow it down. It's totally out of control what they're doing. And these are very important constitutional issues. And if they're decided the wrong way, and I fear they might be, will plague the nation till there is no nation to be plagued. I'm serious about this. It will absolutely change the conduct of a president and change the conduct of a subsequent president administration towards the former president. Why wouldn't it? I mean, let's be clear about this. I hope some of the justices are listening. So important is this, your honors, that they're using the Klan Act, the Enron Obstruction Act, and a Federal Contractors Act to go after Donald Trump. We need to hear this case immediately. My God! Well, where's the insurrection? Where's the sedition? Where's the violence? He's not charged with any of it, as I say over and over and over again. Because he didn't do it. Not on any audio, not on any video, not on any text, not on any document. Nothing. But they proceed. In their filing, the Supreme Court, Trump's lawyers said a months-long criminal trial of Trump during at the height, they can't even write, during, at the height of election season, will radically disrupt their ability to campaign against Biden. Well, isn't that true? Isn't that why Biden, among other things, said, you know, I'm tired of this ponderous judge as my attorney general, but I'm not interfering. Okay, indict, indict, indict. You know, uh, if Merrick Garland had acted more quickly, a.k.a. precipitously, and pull the trigger against Trump, there already would be a trial. might even be over. He might even be convicted. He might even be in prison. Now i got to actually run for president, for God's sakes. These are things he said, for the most part. They painted a dark picture of what they said would befall future presidents if Trump's prosecution is permitted to move forward. Warning a partisan, I agree 100%. Extortion, blackmail, more. That's a great argument, Mr. Producer. I'm glad I've been making that for several months. Have I not? In writing, on the air, smoke signals, hand signals. Somebody called her the other night. Do I advise them? No, I don't advise them. Period. 
but I say what I say on air for you, and apparently some people listen, and that's a very good thing. That's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not like I'm the DA of Fulton County, and my lover is running to meet the uh, White House counsel twice and sending notes to them and all that kind of stuff. And what about the border? I know, it's a segue. What has Congress done today about the border? Nothing. You know, the the Republicans in the House do have difficulty. They have such a tiny majority. And we're hoping that the New Yorkers I'm talking to will vote for Mozzie Phillips right now. Right now. He, He won't melt. Streets are cleared. Sidewalks are cleared. It stopped snowing about four or five hours ago. I asked my favorite weatherman, Rick Cementa, my executive producer... That's right. He's a weatherman. He'll be whatever you want. He said, Mark, you know, even the Bronx now, I shouldn't t- eh, because I gave your full name. He's in the New York metropolitan area. <laughs> so eight and a half, well, actually 20 million other people. But nonetheless, at least for now, they're trying to get the hell out of there as fast as they can. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility for your free, brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. All right, we're back, America. We have some breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen, literally seconds ago, on the floor of the House of Representatives, the procedure vote passed 214 to 213, I believe, to proceed with the impeachment of Mayorkas. Of Mayorkas. He and Biden being the slavers, what's going on on the southern border? Oh, my God, what are we going to do? They say to MSLSD and the Constipated News Network. What are we going Oh, my God, that's so unfair. Shut up and sit down, you fools. The three reprobates voted no still, based on principle, of course. But I want to congratulate, among others, Steve Scalise for getting in there and doing the right thing. The Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. He got it done, too. And so this means, I suspect, that the vote will hold when it comes to the actual vote on impeachment. Now, here's what you need to know. The Democrats have been scheming because that's what they do. 
They're like cockroaches under a rock. Sitting there sort of scratching themselves and then you lift the rock and they see the light and they skidoo. Heading over to the Klig lights on MSLSD and all the rest of them. The Democrats have brought in some slip and fall ambulance chasing law professors from one poison ivy school after another in which they're making the case, or are likely to make the case, that they have no responsibility in the Senate to waste their time and to take up this impeachment, this constitutional indictment by the House of Representatives. And let me make it clear, when a majority votes, it's the House of Representatives. Now that would be a new low for the Democrats, except they don't know what low is. There's never a bottom. And they're bottom feeders, so they know the bottom well, and they know it never ends. Of course, it would be the first time in American history that the House would pass an impeachment resolution and the Senate wouldn't take it up. But that's okay. It's the first time in American history that you're trying to put in prison a candidate of the opposite party. It's the first time in American history you're trying to put in prison a former president of the United States. It's the first time in American history That a former president has been stripped of his attorney-client privilege and due process rights. Stripped of his executive privilege rights. Stripped of his immunity rights. And then they're in a hurry. Come on, we gotta get this done now. Now, damn it. He's Hitler. Say the Hitlerians. And so it's a historic moment. And of course a cabinet secretary can be impeached. They take an oath of, I've explained this a thousand times, enough that the legal analysts on, on cable TV should be able to repeat it by now. And that is, they take an independent oath, they have to uphold the Constitution, whether the President does or does not, otherwise why would they take an oath? And why would they be subject to impeachment? So they're not mutually exclusive. That's not to say that Biden shouldn't be impeached, of course he should. His sorry ass should have been impeached a long time ago. That's not to say that the vice president and, and cabinet members ought not trigger the 25th Amendment. Of course they should, but they're not going to. Because this is a democracy. You see, they believe in democracy. And they're the ones promoting democracy, don't you know? Now, at some point, after the members are done speaking, they will move to the vote on whether or not to impeach the man who who's destroyed our border at the direction of Joe Biden. And I suspect the vote will be exactly the same and the Democrat media will wet themselves. So don't even listen to them. I'll be right back. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility 
for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. If this case wasn't a case for impeachment, there's never a case for impeachment. We don't need lectures by the Democrats and their media and the other reprobates about impeachment and unconstitutionality and political stunts. Because they did whatever they could to try and destroy Trump, his family, and his presidency. And we don't forget. We elephants don't forget. The jackasses, they forget. We don't forget. So Joe Biden put out a statement. I mean, his people put out a statement. He said, history will not look kindly on House Republicans for their blatant act of unconstitutional partisanship that is targeting an honorable public servant in order to play petty political games. Now listen to this buffoon. Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, a Cuban immigrant. What does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with anything? Menendez is a Cuban immigrant, too. Who cares? Notice he doesn't quote the conservative Cuban immigrants, does he, Mr. Producer? Who came to the United States with his family as political refugees? Yeah. That's thanks to the Kennedys and the New York Times, I should add. They spent more than two decades serving America with integrity in a decorated career in law enforcement and pubic service. They hand awards out to themselves. From his time in the Justice Department as in a U.S. attorney to his service as Deputy Secretary, now Secretary of Homeland Security, it's like this guy, uh, Anthony Blinken. He's all oh, these wonderful service awards. He's upheld the rule of law faith. No, he hasn't, you schmuck, and neither have you. And he was impeached, and his ass should have been impeached. Not one Democrat. Ladies and gentlemen, send a, single, a, a signal in New York. Please pay attention. We have a huge New York audience. That's where I started. Maisie Phillips is up right now. The polls close at 9. If you're in her district, don't rely on other people to do this for you. Can you imagine? It's a special election. The turnout's low. So come out in mass. Is that Spanish, by the way? Come out in mass. And take control of your future. Take control of your future. Because this guy, the Democrat, is an open borders guy. He wouldn't have voted to impeach Mayorkas, who was, in fact, voted to be impeached. This impeachment already failed once on a bipartisan vote. I love it when they have a few reprobates and they call it bipartisan. It's hilarious. And yes, it did fail, as have impeachment votes before failed. Like with the Democrats, keep bringing them up. So there we are. Uh, the board is wide open, and Joe Biden's very upset about that. I posted today, and I want to reiterate this, Joe Biden has outdone Obama. Joe Biden actually is our biggest anti-Semitic president. He's bigger than FDR, he's bigger than Obama, and he is. Oh, but Mark, he's given aid, he's done that. Let me tell you what he's done. He's fooled a lot of people, but he didn't fool me. Ten days in, a friend who should know better contacted me. After a minute, he's been good the first ten days. I said, wait and watch. 
Haven't heard from him since, Mr. Bidet. I don't know what's going on there. Wait and watch? No, I don't have to wait and watch. The Democrat Party hates America. Sales, unit sales have now well exceeded 400,000. And I barely even talk about it. When I do, I'm talking about what's in the book. Our podcast numbers and our YouTube numbers are through the roof. Our ratings, particularly on stations that actually acknowledge that we exist and promote it, are killer. There's not a show that faces my show in any market in America, talk show, that defeats us. We defeat them all. And again, it's the toughest time slot in talk radio. East Coast, 6 to 9. Very important to understand that. And of course, everyone got blown out with the uh, Super Bowl on Sunday. We ran a rerun because it was pretty obvious. But Saturday, there was nothing except toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose battling. My show against CNN and MSNBC, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 to... All right, whatever. So... We not only crushed the competition, we really doubled them. And we had a massive rating. And that's thanks to you. The biggest news talk show on Saturday Night Prime. And soon again, and always actually, Sunday Night Prime. So you can see there is a yearning for information. There is a yearning for principle. We share our ideals, we share our belief system, our values, and that's why I believe these things happen. That's why I believe these things happen. Because of you, and you want to hear this stuff. You want to hear, and uh, we will continue to do that as long as you're interested in it, Uh, as I say all the time. Now, the fact of the matter is, if you look at the economy right now the economy is slipping south again you already know this charles Payne did a fantastic job a few weeks back on life liberty and living explaining this the data that the government comes up with is generalized data so the people at the high end may be doing very well and i don't begrudge them hope everybody does well now let's get them get them no not to get anybody they're doing very well. Uh, the people near the high end are doing very, very well. And so that's reflected in the numbers. What's not reflected, because it's all thrown into the same bucket, would be many of you. And we happen to know who many of you are. Not by name. I'm not the government, for God's sakes. But what kind of income or job or status you have through surveys that are done. And many of you are having a very difficult time making ends meet. And you don't need Joe Scarborough or uh, Lawrence O'Donnell or Rachel Madcow or any of the rest of them telling you if you would only pay attention when we speak, if you would only listen, if you would only accept our words like any good totalitarian regime, if you would only do what we tell you to do, think what we tell you to think, believe what we tell you to believe, everything would be fantastic! Well, it's not fantastic. 
something else I'm starting to see, and it's making me nervous. Shortages of things here and there. Are you starting to see that, Mr. Producer? I'm going into these grocery stores. By the way, wonderful, wonderful followers of this program. I want to thank you very, very much out there. People always thank me. I thank you. I'm starting to see shortages of some stuff. And this is a result of, among other things, these massively inflated so-called minimum wage laws, like the one in California. It just kicked in. $20 an hour, Mr. Producer. So these fast food drive throughs or Walmarts or whatever you want, Costco, all their prices have to go up. All of them. And many of the people that eat fast food today are people who can't afford anything else. So you're going to drive up the price by rewarding a few, but the many are going to suffer. Some will go without food. Many of Biden's favorite unions are pushing this stuff because many of them have contracts that are tied to the minimum wage. If the minimum wage is 20, then there goes up a certain percentage. It's nice inside baseball if you can get it. But for the average person out there trying to make ends meet, this is a disaster. And we never talk about the millions of people coming into this country illegally. If they're not on welfare, I assume some of them are getting jobs under the table. They're not getting minimum wage. They're getting paid under the table to avoid minimum wage. And they're taking American jobs. They're not doing jobs Americans won't do. They're taking jobs from Americans. Because they're not... The Americans Americans are not being paid competitive wages. They don't have to be when you have illegal aliens. But nobody talks about that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility for your free, brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. All right, well, we don't have enough time. Chris Van Halen, a Democrat leader out of Maryland... But then again, I repeat myself. He accuses Israel of war crimes, claims without evidence, denying Gaza kids food. Breitbart, by the way, has been fantastic on this Israel war. So I asked Chris Van Hollen this, which side would you be on in World War II? Seriously. Would you be on the American side or the German side? I'm just curious. Because when you say things like this, the big lie, 
you are regurgitating a propaganda tactic of Goebbels. They like to use the word Hitler. It's Hitler, it's Hitler, it's Hitler. And yet Chris Van Hollen sounds to me like maybe he has a Goebbels issue. Just like Bernie Sanders, maybe he has a Goebbels issue. So Chris Van Halen, where's your proof? We're here, we've got millions of listeners. Where's your proof, you low-life retrobate? Reprobate? Retrobate works too, I guess. Nikki Haley's still running around, saying things like there ought to be a competency test. I've explained that you would have to amend the Constitution, but of course she's not serious about very much. Well, why leave it at a competency test? How about a literacy test? I've been watching this guy, Donald Payne Jr. I don't, honestly, I don't know if he had an illness, a stroke, or something's going on. Uh, but he's having trouble reading his note cards the way Biden does. Again, not making fun of him. I'm saying this is a problem. If you're in the legislature, that's a debating society, and it is a writing society, and theoretically a reading society. So if you're having difficulty with those three things, much like Joe Scarborough, then, you know, this is the way it goes. Sinwar, S-I-N-W-A-R. He is the top Islamist Nazi in Hamas. Now, the top dogs are billionaires being protected by Qatar. You know, our friends at Qatar? Oh, yeah, the Qataris. Qataris? Yes, the Qataris. Uh, They try and buy everybody's loyalty, and that's why uh, Biden and Blinken, they love being seen with him just as they love being seen with the terrorist Abbas and so forth. Anyway, the IDF reveals footage of him hiding in a tunnel. They're honing in on him. They're going to kill him. And Joe Biden and Antony Blinken and the other... Now Hamas supporting Dearbornians. May I call them Dearbornians, Mr. Producer? Dearbornians. Uh, they are demanding that Netanyahu stop. Because they want a peace deal. No, peace deal is no peace deal. There was a hilarious, although sickening, cartoon that I posted a few days back. I didn't draw it, somebody else did. And they have a Hamas baby killer saying, we're going to slaughter all the Jews. And then there's a picture of Joe Biden saying, can't you meet them halfway? Get the point? Of course you do. Joe does not. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks, that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Please don't forget, you have an hour left to vote for Maisie Phillips in that special election, in that special district. Uh, those folks in New York who live there, back to the matter is, it's not snowing, the coast is clear, and we don't want to lose this by a couple hundred votes or a couple dozen votes, and yes, that can happen. You know, one of my dear friends is Craig Shirley. You've heard me talk about Craig before. He is the expert historian on President Ronald Reagan. I even think I'm in one of his books. But anyway, so, because uh, I was a young Turk upstart in Pennsylvania backing Reagan. And one of the things that bothers me a great deal is when people think they have to promote another candidate, another viewpoint, and so forth by trashing Reagan. Those days are over, you know, Reagan's principles. Reagan's principles are the principles in the Constitution and the Declaration. What do you mean they're over? And so many people who say these things sound like, as I said, Marxists. You know, the world begins today when I start to think of something. And Craig Shirley's book, which just came off the presses today, it's available on Amazon.com, is The Search for Reagan, the Appealing Intellectual Conservatism of Ronald Reagan. Craig Shirley, how are you, my brother? Mark, how are you? Good to be with you. I'm doing great. Now we have, let's start this way, if I may. We have a lot of people who opposed Reagan, a lot of people who would have opposed Reagan, a lot of people who never supported Reagan, running around saying they're the real Reaganites when they remind me of Gerald Ford and the Bushes and so forth and so on. What say you? It's the same old, same old. It's a ridiculous claim. Is that I, you and I are old enough to remember who was really a Reaganite, who was a foul Reaganite, and who was opposed to Reagan. There were, there were Reagan ran into headwinds all through his presidential, uh, camp, you know, all through his years and all through his presidency, even from his own party. Uh, until he left office, and he left office with a 73% approval rating. By then, he had convinced, obviously, a majority of Americans, a majority of Republicans, and a sizable number of Democrats that his policies were the right prescription for America. Now, some of these people who claim to be the real Reagans would include all the non-Reagans. In other words, our friend Karl Rove would include uh, Larry Hogan, Chris Christie, who has a failing book out as I speak, uh, and others of that ilk. In other words, the Republican establishment. What did he, how did Reagan have to deal with the Republican establishment? 
ran he ran through them. He ran around them. He he was he was more intellectual than them. That was, that's part of the reason for the book. I mean, he was able to make a more compelling case for his view of the world, his view of of uh, humans, uh, and his view of privacy. All the things that we as conservatives cherish: freedom, privacy, dignity. Uh, the ability of the individual to come and go as, as he or she pleases, all those things that we cherish, he was able to articulate much better than I'm doing uh, and, and, and convince. The, all he needed really was a microphone and an audience, and he could convince them of the right, righteousness of his ideas. You know, one of the things you talk about, the book covers everything. It's a fantastic book. I want to congratulate Thank you. I know how much... Thank Thank you for writing the poem. I, I, I well, really am touched. Really touched, Mark. Well, it's my honor. Brilliant, wasn't it? No, just kidding. I wrote the no, forward, folks. Brilliant. It was brilliant. The book is damn good. It's very, very Thank good. You. If you really want to understand what's going on uh, as it applies today, which is what you do here. Um, do you think Ronald Reagan would be a big fan of Putin right about now? Uh, <laughs> no. Anybody who squashes the individual in the name of the collective, anybody who is corrupt, anybody who, it, it, it doesn't matter whether they're in America and they're, it's Joe Biden or whether they're in Russia and it's Vladimir Putin, he would, he would oppose them. He would oppose, you know, anybody who, who, who steals one second of freedom away from individual. They, you know, if you go back and look at his speeches when he was president, how many times does he make reference to the individual? You know, Sidney Hooks uh, wrote some years ago a book called The Hero in History. And in that book, he talked about the, the, the event-making man. And who, who, can you think of anybody more qualified for that phrase than Ronald Reagan? He was no. the event-making man. He changed our view of the world. He, changed, he, he did so much you know, in terms of the economy, but also foreign policy, also in terms of defeating the Soviet Union. And inspired so many things. You know, it's very few of these very few of these men come along. You know, Winston Churchill, Ronald Reagan, people like that. But they but they they don't grow on trees. And look at what's going on in Congress today, including with the Republicans. You have Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Mitch McConnell was never a Reagan guy, was he? No, no, no. He was for Gerald Ford in '76. Mm -hmm. And he worked in the when Ford he administration. Was, uh, he used to be, he used, yes, he did, and he was also the uh, county executive. Uh, there in Louisville, and he was goes back, you know, then to then. He was a he was a Ford guy. What about he Carl would never Rove? Understand. He would never understand. Yeah. He was a, he was a Bush guy. He was a Bush guy through and through. I, I you know back in longer than you and I like to remember sometimes, but back in the back in the seventies and eighties, is that Reaganites couldn't get couldn't get in the front door of the Republican National Committee because they wanted they wanted to have they wanted to populate it with Bushies. They wanted to populate it with people like Karl Rove. You know, it's nothing against Karl Rove. He, he is what he is. He was what he was. But yeah. that's pretty much the part of the Republican Party that he, that he promotes and, and is paid by, which is the establishment Republicans. Nothing wrong with that as long as you're, you know, as, as long as that's understood. Yeah, exactly. There's two different universes that, that exist that occupy not the same space, but similar space. One is conservatism, American conservatism. You're American conservative, I'm American conservative. We believe in certain things, certain principles that Buckley and Von Mises and Friedman and Reagan and other, uh, other people espoused. 
is that then there's Republicanism, which sometimes overlaps with American conservatism and sometimes doesn't. American conservatism is fixed. It's like granite. It's rooted in the Constitution. It's rooted in the Declaration. It's about individuality. But Republicanism will shift with the times. I remember when Republicans used to be for free trade and then before that for high tariffs. Now they're back for, back for restrictive you know, uh, tariffs. I remember when the, when the Republican Party used to be for high taxes. In 1970, as an example, uh, Ted Kennedy, who was then a United States senator, and Walter Mondale, another United States senator, said to stimulate the economy, we need to enact huge tax cuts for the American people. And the Nixon administration said, no, we need to prime the pump with massive federal spending to get the economy moving. I mean, that was the position yeah. of the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. But, there, but, the, but the conservatism is, is fixed. Republicans will shift with the winds. Republican, but conservatism is fixed, is a fixed point in the sky. Are you concerned, as I am, particularly given Reagan's incredible success in foreign policy and national security, destroyed the Soviet Union and so many others on the yeah. left that were threatening our country? Are you concerned that some of these isolationists who claim to be America first sound a lot like George McGovern or Bernie Sanders or even Talib when it comes to Israel or even when it comes to Ukraine? Don't they sound strange? They sound strange and they sound, quite frankly, un-American. Is that, they, 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 you know... Israel has always been America's friend. Israel is our best friend in the Middle East. Israel is a stable country in the Middle East, unlike the countries around it. And, and why they have to go on questioning this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Now, Biden, Reagan really never cared for Biden, did he? Because Biden was even known back then as not only a dingbat, but a nasty SOB, wasn't he? Yeah, he wrote in his diary. Bingo. That's that's good. Um, Reagan wrote in his diaries of his disdain for uh, but his in his own inimical way. But he wrote uh, about Biden in his diaries, not warmly. Mm -hmm. Well, who could? And of course, Lowell Weicker, yeah. he trashed in his diaries. Lowell Weicker, yeah. you remember Lowell Weicker? He was a liberal Republican senator from Met, Connecticut. And Reagan called him a, a schmuck and a no-good fathead in his diaries. <laughs> <laughs> He could have done radio. Oh, wait a minute, he did. Now, you have, a, you have many <laughs> fantastic chapters here. For instance, most people never heard of Schweiker, the former senator from Pennsylvania. It's funny, because I Good fought man. hard for Reagan. Yeah, but in 76, when he picked him, he was a big union left-wing Republican. But, and so he, he picked... Was life. But, but let me just make the point. So he picked Schweiker. He thought he would get the Pennsylvania delegates, and the opposite happened. They said, no, we want nothing to do with Schweiger. Isn't that true, the process? Well, John Sears, who was then Reagan's manager, learned that a month before the convention that CBS News, which was highly regarded in those days, was working on a story. The, 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 you know, they remember, the, the, the nomination process was, 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 you know, a real tussle between the two. And it was still undecided a month before the convention. And John learned that CBS political unit was working on a story doing a meticulous count of all the delegates that would say that Gerald Ford had won the nomination, and this is a month out. And if that happened, they'd go on national news with it, and it would be reported by all the media, and Reagan's campaign would, would be dead. John did it to buy time. He did it to, you know, to throw confusion into the air, to get 
to the convention and hopefully get Reagan the nomination at the convention. It didn't work. The second part didn't work, but the first part actually worked to keep everybody guessing for one more month. But Schweiker, you know, became uh, became a good friend of mine, and uh, he I, became I, he very was solid. Very, very good. You know, I, I, he there, became very yeah. solid. Good, Reagan's cabinet. He became yeah. a solid conservative. And, and and he really did. Now I want to keep you over the break, obviously, but you talk about Reagan and intellectual conservatism, and because of the smear job the media, the Republican establishment, the Bushies, frankly, and others did on Reagan. You were supposed to believe that Reagan was sort of a useful idiot and so forth and so on. And yet he had really fantastic, very, you know, substantive books in his library that he had actually read and so forth and so on. So I want to explore this with you. Reagan, the intellectual, who was incredible, incredible reader and well-informed on on history and principles and philosophy Versus Reagan, the dunce who would get us into a war and on and on. And then I want to ask you this, even though their personalities are completely different. Don't they pull that stuff out with every Republican? They did it to Goldwater. They're doing it to Trump right now. And did they also accuse Reagan of uh, potentially being dictatorial and issues of that sort? They what do you pull think? Out that old chestnut. Every four years, they pull out those chestnuts. Mm-hmm. And in Reagan's case... You had a lot of access to a lot of information. What kind of books did he read? Oh, he read everything under the sun. You know, not just uh, Louis L'Amour. He loved uh, Louis L'Amour's uh, cowboy uh, novels, but he read Von Mises. He read Witness. He read uh, he read Free to Choose. He read uh, the, the Road to Serfdom. He read all sorts of intellectual books of conservatism. Uh, you know, he read Buckley avidly. He read the National Review every two weeks. He read Human Events. He was an avid reader, but also he was an avid writer. That's one thing that's really overlooked. He was a terrific writer. He probably generated more letters as president than any other president in American mm-hmm. history. Um, but it's very important. It's very important, folks, to understand Reagan so you understand what's going on today. He was the greatest Republican vote getter in history, in my view the third greatest president in history. We'll be right back. Fantastic book with Craig Shirley, The Search for Reagan. It's very relevant to today. You can get it on Amazon.com. It's on my social sites. And we're also going to have Craig on this week on Life, Liberty, and Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. We're back with Craig Shelley. Fantastic new book, hot off the presses today. The Search for Reagan, the appealing intellectual conservatism of Ronald Reagan. Isn't it amazing, Craig Shirley, that you got a guy like Ronald Reagan, a tremendously successful governor. He wins two landslides, the second one bigger than the first. And then the same Republican establishment tries to block him, tries to block anybody who thinks outside their circle, anybody who comes from outside their circle, anybody who truly believes what they're saying as a matter of principle. Do you see that happening today as well? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. I see it. It, it happens repeatedly. It's, they can't stand the idea that somebody outside of their society and culture might have a better idea. That's what that, that was the genius of Reagan. He knew that to beat an idea, you used a better idea. 
He knew that to beat the idea of collectivism, you argued for freedom. He knew that to beat the, 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 the mutually assured destruction, you argue for SDI. He knew that you know, Soviet aggression could be met by, by arming and aiding indigenous freedom-fighting forces and the Contras and the Mujahideen and the Velvet Revolution and other freedom movements around the, around the, around the globe. Is that he always reframed the argument so that he was on the winning side of the argument. Mm-hmm. Now, what was his relationship with Tip O'Neill? Lots been said about that. Tip O'Neill, the former oh, Speaker of the House. You know, I'm so glad you asked me that. I know Chris Matthews wrote that uh, that foolish book, uh, Tip and the Gipper. Uh, is that there was nothing but animosity between the two? They 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 passed th- really two or three bills together, and one of them, Tefra Reagan, regretted for the rest of his life, which was essentially tax increases. Uh, Tip O'Neill, in his book, Man of the House, devoted an entire chapter to how much he hated Ronald Reagan, how much he thought Reagan was a bad president. Is that, you know, he, uh, neither, you know, uh, really had, they, they went through it for, for, for the sake of, of uh, the, the photo op, you know, for the sake of harmony. But really, there was nothing in common between the two men. There was, you know, New, you know O'Neill was a product of, of, the, uh, of the New Deal. Reagan was uh, had grown out of the New Deal and had learned to see the world in a different way. Uh, so there was the, the better example. If you want to look for, you know, people actually getting along and getting things done in the right way, is Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich. I mean, they are the much better example of uh, of bipartisanship than O'Neill and Reagan. What did Ronald Reagan think of uh, George H. W. Bush? You you have a whole chapter on Bush in here, which is really quite remarkable. Um, there was, there was, going into the 1980 convention, there was a lot of animosity. Uh, Reagan really resisted the idea of taking Bush, and, and he really pursued, actually, he wanted, he, Nancy wanted him to take Paul Laxalt, Senator Laxalt. Now, stop Nevada, right there. But, stop right there. Because, you know, Laxalt was my mentor. I sent Laxalt a telegram and urged him. I sent Laxalt a telegram. I've never told you this, and no. urged him to go to the to Ronald Reagan and ask him to be his running mate. How about and that? A, How about and that? you're right. A lot of people pushed him and so forth, but I think they felt they needed to get beyond Nevada and 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 his friendship. But you Reagan go ahead. Was going to carry Nevada anyway, and plus it yes. had you know legalized gambling and legalized prostitution, which was really going to be a, a tough hurdle. Sounds to like Washington the Republican Party. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah. In 1980, but Nancy Reagan did want Paul Laxalt, and so that weighed a lot on Reagan. But he only, only reluctantly took Bush at the eleventh hour uh, because he was he was out of options and out of time. I wish he had revisited taking Dick Schweiker again, as he had mm-hmm. in '76. There was nobody arguing for Schweiker, and that would have made I think a heck of a ticket, a much better ticket than he and Bush. But uh, we are going to have Craig Shirley on my big Sunday show. He's going to be fantastic. He always is. In the meantime, grab your copy, of The Search for Reagan. You can get it at Amazon.com. I hear Chris Christie has a book out. I don't know if he can read it himself or not. Uh, Maybe with a little bit of mustard. It might be tasty. Let's crush it. The search for Reagan, Amazon.com. This is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in at 877-381-3811. Do we have any callers, Mr. Producer? I have been... uh... 
Okay. Can you name one? Because I can't... Uh... Yeah. Francis in Michigan. How are you, Francis in Michigan? I'm doing yeah. fine since I'm listening to tonight. Well, thank you. Man, so are you a Michigander? I'm a Michigander, but I ain't no Dearbornian. Oh, well, that's good. I think you mean Dearborn, Michigan. But you know what? I'm becoming one. You want to know why? You haven't Uh-oh. talked about this yet. What? I presume you know, but you might know. Dearborn's Uh-oh. expanding its border, sir. Canton. Dear- Dearborn is what? Uh, hold on. I missed this. Dearborn is what? Dearborn has expanded its borders. It's in the suburbs. They are at our city council meetings for weeks now. Oh, oh what, you, are, you, are you trying to say that the population of Dearborn is increasing? Well, they've and, and actually, moving in and, and into other suburban areas. Is that is that your point? Yes, they they have moved here, but they have also radicalized people that have been here for a while. And excuse me, excuse me, you are not allowed to say that. Okay, can I say that they have um, persuaded? Well, yes, you can say persuaded, of course. River to the sea, very persuasive. Yes, Yes. it is. But my point is, when I'm in two square miles, I live in a place that's two square miles, 6,000 people. And they're coming not just from where I live, but every place to our city council meetings, Mm -hmm. speaking for three minutes with anti saying very bad things against the Jewish people and Mm -hmm. insisting that the city council find a resolution to cease fire on the Gaza Strip for humanitarian reasons. Of course. And they're all Democrats. Yes, but they're wasting time. They're wasting resources and they're a threat to our community. And my grandparents did it the right way. Now, when you say they, you're talking about Islamists, Hamas supporting Islamists, correct? Yes, but this is also a doctor from the University of Michigan that appears there and says this. Do you feel comfortable as a Jew or a Christian going to her? With no. They register I don't. their names, their addresses, and no. they are demanding. Our mayor is gracious and wants to have a World Peace Day. They told him last week that's not good enough. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mr. Producer, I thought I issued World Peace Day the other week. And look, the world's still going to hell. What are we going to do about that? Francis, thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. You know, that area of the country used to be, and still is in some ways, blue-collar, sort of moderate Democrat. But this is what happens when you have open borders, a very lenient immigration system, uh, where people are not pledging allegiance to the country, People are not interested in assimilating into the culture. And it's not just from the Middle East. And there's certainly exceptions, so I'm not saying a general rule. But it's from all over the world. There's no requirements of any kind. Nothing. Paul. Marquette, Michigan. Michigan's wide awake tonight. Sirius Satellite. Go, Paul. Go, 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 go. Uh, What an honor. What an honor. Uh, I'm just so frustrated with our president with his fake scorn. Why doesn't he demand Hamas surrender, come out with their hands up, white flag waving, and then we can begin negotiations Mm -hmm. is my main point. And can I make one more point? Well, here's the thing, though. 
they literally have the head desert rat in their sights, and Biden is pressuring them to stop. Right. Right at the critical moment. Right at the critical moment. Go ahead. You were the original aggressor in this origi- in this particular conflict, and people want to forget that. And mm-hmm. as I have a minute, could I speak one more thought? Sure. The, with Kamala going on an abortion tour to advocate for this, I think it would be a really good choice for our president to, and the Republicans to take the binary choice of are you for or against abortion off the table by stating that we'll let the scientists determine when life begins. I have a better idea. He should say, look, fact of the matter is, like it or not, since the Dobb decision, there's more abortions than before, and it's not even close. Over 100,000 more, 2000 to 2003. So what exactly is the Democrat Party demanding? Are they insisting now that people get abortions? That's how I would answer it. And by the way, I'm still waiting for a news platform to actually have a documentary and show a video of somebody having a late-term abortion. You can cover their face. What does that look like? And you know what? I'm going to tell you something, my friend. That would change the debate completely. But anyway, that's where we are. Thank you for your call, my friend. All right. Great callers. What happened? Morgan. Morgan, Fort Worth, Texas, the great WBAP or WBAP. How are you, Morgan? Thank you so much, Mark. Are we coming in clear, sir? You are. I'm really thankful, and I'm glad that the radio pays you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to afford to talk to someone like you with Ronaldo's <laughs> Magnus spread all over his resume. Well, first of all, you're very sweet, but I spent time speaking to a lady at the Publix grocery store today. I do it all the time. People go, are you who I think you are? I said, let me look. Yes, I am. I am who I think I am. Anyway, go right ahead. I sp- no, I spoke to you once before, Mark, about three years ago, and um, as Good much as I fantasized about talking to you about other things, I'm not going to ask you what you're wearing, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll save <laughs> you that. But um, I'm wearing khakis and a T-shirt, white socks, and uh, that's about it. You know, regular clothes. You need, you need to stop before I get excited, Mark. So, oh, um, at, at any rate, I think so. you're calling the wrong show. You sure it's not Hannity? <laughs> well, I, I called in to talk about the about this two state solution, Mark. But I just wanted to really quick. I know you're pressed for time, but I was born in early uh, January '63, and my first political experience was helping Ronaldus Magnus, you know, deny Carter a second term. And uh, it, at the time, Mark, it was ideology based. It was emotion and patriotism. But people like you and Rush taught me to put it into into a technical term as far as conservatism and mm-hmm. I owe you two guys so much, man. I mean y'all y'all had such an impact on my life, but um you know well, first of all and- first of all to be in the same league as Rush, for you to say that is a great honor of mine. He was a dear, dear friend of mine. We talked all the time. People don't even know it. Texted all the time, talked about different issues, family issues, the dogs World issues, different individuals on TV and radio. It was really quite... Miss him a lot. What'd you say, Rich? Wait a minute. Thanks for your call. Is this Stephen A. Smith or Stephen B. Smith? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, great one? How you doing, man? How's everything? 
You know, I love you. People always say to me, he's so liberal. I said, no, he's not always liberal. And what does that have to do with anything? Can't you be friends with somebody? I mean, my well, God, what is the problem? In, in, in this world, you can. I'm, I'm crucified all the time. I've got folks from my own race questioning my authenticity because people like you and Sean Hannity are my buddies and whatever, but they can kick rocks. Nobody dictates how I feel, who I befriend, what I think, how I think, et cetera, et cetera. We don't always agree on everything politically. You know that. I know that. Sean knows that. So uh, what? You guys have, 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 have supported me for years. We've been friends, and I'm proud of it, and I don't give a damn what anybody thinks. It's just that simple. I'm not going to ask you a typical boring question. Like, what do you think of the Super Bowl? I have a specific question. Sure. Sure. I really got pissed off when Kelsey, mm -hmm. it was a light bump, but what he did okay. to Andy Reid there. The Andy Reid's an older man. Right. He's obviously a very heavy yep. man. You don't get in his face and do right. that kind of That turned me off completely. I have to be honest with you. Well, it, 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 it shouldn't. It shouldn't because nobody's flawless. All of us make mistakes. and, and So I can't be angry about that? Mistakes. No, no, no. You can be angry. You can be angry about it, but you also have a forgiving soul, contrary to what you want people to believe. You actually can be very forgiving, Mark Levin. And I think this is one of those situations that calls for it. Here's, let me put it in perspective for you. Okay? Yes, sir. First of all, I think that I think that he went in the face of Andy Reid. He didn't mean to touch him, but he wanted, he definitely intended to get in his face. Here's the thing: Travis Kelsey in the first half was targeted one time, caught one pass for one yard. This is Travis Kelsey, who is a two-time Super Bowl champion, universally recognized as one of the greatest tight ends in the history of the game, arguably the, the greatest tight end in the history of the game, and a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer who, who watched this year as his receiving core led the league in dropped passes. They dropped 44 passes this year, the wide receivers. They're in the Super Bowl because of the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, but also the greatness of Travis Kelsey. And then comes Super Bowl coach, who is the great Andy Reid, who Travis Kelsey loves like a father, forgot about him first half. And he's now like, listen what to are me. you doing? Listen to me. So you, go up, you can go up to the boss, say, hey, boss. What the hell's going on here? You got to let me in. But you don't, I'm sorry, you know, the hundred and zillion people watching, you don't. I guess he lost it a little bit. I'm he was emotional. He lost it. He lost it. He's emotional because remember, it's the Super Bowl. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. You know you what? You are a lucky man. Uh, hold on now. You are a lucky man. Sure. You get to go to all Why this that? stuff. I don't go yeah. anywhere. You're going yeah. there. I go down the street to McDonald's. I turn there. I, I saw another well, thing well, where well, there well, you were you you were in the in the what what do you call the million dollar seats LeBron was a whoever yeah. I'm, I'm going yeah, wait, wait, oh my man Jordan that's the guy I love you're up there with him I'm going a, wait a, a minute that was a national that was a college football national championship game that's I was what it was Jordan and Derek Jeter Jordan and Derek Jeter those are my brothers but do you realize breath, what kind of life you have. Well, I know I'm. Look blessed. who I hang out I with. Know. I hang out with Hannity. Look who you hang out with. Yeah, 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 yeah. My condolences on that one. My condolences <laughs> on that one. But I, 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 I will tell you that I'm blessed. There's no doubt about it. And but, but I also worked for it. It wasn't yes, given to me. It was earned. Yes, so, you did. So it is what it is. Yeah, you've worked hard. You used to work write for a newspaper. Philadelphia Inquirer yeah. that I tried not to read, but they had a hell of a good sports section. <laughs> yes, we and, did. We did. And we you had were in there. Sports section. Yes, I was. 
as a reporter. People, people need to understand. And I, I want my audience to understand. Stephen A. Smith is sh- yeah. smart as hell. He's a writer. He's a reader. And he's intriguing. Honestly, you're the only guy I watch on ESPN when I can get around to watch it, your show, first take. Love All the rest of it, I don't well, know. I this one it. from that one and that one from this one. And there's Stephen A. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, they say that I'm the face of the franchise. I don't know whether that's true or not. I leave that to other people to decide, but I know this much. I work my ass off and I show up to work every day and I know what the expectation of the audience is. And my responsibility is to give them what they expect and then much, much more any chance I get. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to always bring the energy. I'm going to always bring the focus. I'm going to always bring the determination and make sure that what people tune in for is what I'm delivering to the best of my ability. I strive uh, hold to on now. Point. Let me tell you one other thing. You dress to the tease. Me, yeah. I look like a schlub. Go on TV. Well, you know, you, 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 know you ain't broke, Mr. Best. You ain't, you ain't broke, Mr. <laughs> Multiple-time bestsellers, you know what I'm saying, and, and hit radio show. I mean, it ain't like you don't have the money. And by the I way, like why wearing the hell a tie. are you McDonald's? Why, 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 all right, you don't have to hate. There's plenty of good sh- looks you can have without wearing a tie. Why are you eating McDonald's, me. man? But what, what's don't up with that? You told I should, I, My wife's going to kill me. My wife loves you, by the way. That's right. You Julie. know what she listed. She was. I, I met her one time. She was truly a wonderful, wonderful lady. When when I met her, she's so nice. And obviously, the surprise birthday thing for you. She was oh, the one thanks. that reached out yeah. to me to send you that message and stuff like that. So your your wife and I had the pleasure of meeting your daughter one time. We were at a gym, and I didn't even know it was, oh, it yeah. was the daughter of Mark Levin herself. So she was great. She was wonderful as well. It's all good, man. I mean, at well, the end of the day, memory. we're all You're like the together. rain man of sports, too. It's like, blah, blah, blah. any sport, it's like, oh, no. oh, that guy in 1938, he didn't go, where the hell is this? Listen to me. Don't hang up. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. We're here with our buddy, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith, let me ask you this. Yes, what sir. does the A stand for? Anthony. And you decided to be Stephen A. Smith, kind of to separate yourself from all the Stephen Smiths out there? Seriously, is that what you did? No. No, seriously, it was a dedication to my mom, God rest her soul, uh, passed away okay. in 2017, as you well know. Um, yes, I grew up, I, I was undi- undiagnosed dyslexia, and I got left back in the fourth grade because I had a first grade reading level. And then mm-hmm. ultimately, I overcame that malady because she was so committed to helping me be the best that I can be. And so when I ultimately got into the business, it was one thing to be successful, but I was successful reading and writing, which was my deficiency when I was younger. So because of all the support she gave me, it was a dedication to her. And that's why I wrote the byline, Stephen A. Smith, as a dedication to my mother. And it stuck. That was really a blow to you when you lost your mother. I remember. It's hard to lose. It's hard to lose a mother. Yeah. Yes. You and I both know about that. We've talked about it. Now, um, you have any kind of love life going on? People want to know. (laughs) <laughs> of course I do. I mean, <laughs> of course I do. They ain't gonna know about it, but yes, I have a girlfriend. I <laughs> you know I'm what? Good. It's amazing, America. I love this man. I've never had dinner, or lunch with you. We gotta fix that this year. Well, that, that, that's because that's because you're too damn busy. But you know, I I, I know I know where True. you are. We'll get together sometime in the near future. I just uh, I know this much. And if I get to you know you, I'll treat. But if I get together with Sean, he's treating. Because he's always bragging about uh, about 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 how how such a brilliant businessman he is, so he can afford to pay. I'm not a very good businessman. 
I'm not. But uh, I do the best hey. I can. I hoard my money. I, I, don't, I, don't think you're, I don't think you're doing bad. I don't think you're doing no. bad. And by the I, way, I, America, I, you're doing good. I just want people to know, you're branching out beyond sports, aren't you? Tell everybody quickly. We don't have a lot of time left. Uh, the Stephen A. Smith Show. I have my yeah. own podcast slash show. Um, I built my own studio out of my own money, my own television studio. So I do a show on YouTube uh, several times a week at, on the Stephen A. Smith Show, on the Stephen A. Smith Channel. And so everybody can find me there when they don't find me on First Take on ESPN. Let me just say this. You should replace Stephen Colbert. He's predictable. You're not predictable. You've got the personality for it. I got to run, Stephen A. God bless you, brother. I'll see you tomorrow, America. Take care.